The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue in my, my words. Well, how about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? And welcome to another exciting episode of the Clip Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. I'm your host, Tim D-O-Double-G. And joining me tonight is temporarily the man behind the sound effects. That's at, I was about to say the person's name, at Roddy Cat on Twitter. <laughs> that is not me doing the sounds, but hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> the true person doing the fun trip. The masked man. At PCM underscore dirt on Twitter. There are too many of these things to choose from. There really is. At least from when I remember doing it the time or two. Oh, that's what that is. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I think they have like a doorbell. Well, yeah, but it's not a doorbell. It's just like a bell, like a like a clock tower bell or something. That and that would be a lot louder than a doorbell sound. <laughs> so we're waiting for at agent underscore seventy on Twitter to join us. But for the time being, go to theclicknation.com. You can find previous episodes of the Comic Book Chronicles and Comic Book Reviews. <laughs> on the website, you'll find. Links to our social media accounts. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Google+. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast by going to iTunes, Stitch Radio, Google Play, and YouTube.com forward slash The Click Nation. Remember, we are part of the Cults of the Podcast Network. Go to CSPN.us. Do it today. And while you're there, make sure to go and buy some Comic Book Chronicles merchandise by going to shop.CSPN.us. And remember, we record live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're ever on social media and you're talking comics, join the conversation by using the hashtags Comic Book Chronicles and CB Cron. So the first comic we're going to start with tonight is a triple-sized issue of Amazing Spider-Man number 25. There's a nice cover there that PC and Dirt is showing on the video if you're watching. It's part one of the Osborne identity, and as someone pointed out to me, the, it's supposed to be the, a play on the Born identity name, which I didn't pick up immediately because <laughs> yep. I'm slow. I'm slow like that. <laughs> so after getting a tip in the Clone Conspiracy Omega issue, Spider-Man finds that Norman Osborn has set up shop as a uh, drug and gun runner. So he teams up with uh, Mockingbird and two other people, Black Spider or something, Black Arachnid and uh, Arachnid or whatever the two people's names are, I forget. And then they go and they they thought they caught Osborne, who has started using different uh, faces as a uh, cover. So they go chasing after this one, uh, what they believe is a Mexican drug runner that's Osborne, but of course it's not because Osborne has gone away. Uh, Osborne going around. We get a, a quick glimpse of Osborne in his secret hideaway with a woman and a doctor. 
and the doctor is the one who helps him sculpt new faces. So he has like a wall of faces for him to choose from for his next uh, cover. Uh, Spider-Man's pissed off, of course, because Osborne's gotten away. So he goes back home to check on Aunt May. And with all the craziness going on with the clone conspiracy and chasing after Osborne, he's let uh, Harry Osborne, or he's going by the name Harry Lyman now, Harry and Betty are at Aunt May's, check, keeping her company. And they're coming up on the Ben Parker Foundation event, I guess, in San Francisco or whatever uh, uh, location it's at. And he t- tries to convince Aunt May to stay behind and not go. But, of course, she wants to go and be a part of it. Uh, and actually, she, she, actually he, he tells her to stay behind and tells Harry to, to watch her. But uh, when Peter Parker and Bobby Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird, are on uh, a jet to head over there because they're flying first-class commercial, uh, they find out that Aunt May and Harry tag the lawn on the plane. And they interrupt a nice uh, sort of moment where Peter Parker is trying to ask Bobby Morris out on a date. And then like, after he's asked, Aunt May peeks her head from behind. That's no, that's no way to, you know, ask a woman out, which I at first I thought was like a dream sequence, but it ended up being true. It was uh, real and as awkward as you'd imagine it. And then Spider-Man, let's see, Spider-Man leaves or Peter Parker leaves Aunt May and Harry with one of his Parker Industries representatives. And then he goes off with, uh, Mockingbird to follow another lead that they got and comes out. Of course, Osborne isn't there. They beat up a bunch of it's okay. They ain't go to, they didn't go to San Francisco. They went to an Asian country because at one point they're beating up a bunch of Asian henchmen and Spider-Man comments how he feels uncomfortable because he feels like it's kind of racist that they're, all they're doing is beating up Asians. And as Mockingbird points out, you know, the, it's, it's the whole country. The good guys are Asian. The bad guys are Asian. And at one point, She's like, would it help if I took you to beat up some people with masks on? And he's like, actually, it would. So during that little lighthearted moment, uh, they find out they they uh, start questioning a, a bad guy. And then they find out that Osborne is really at the Ben Parker Foundation event. So he's there in his uh, disguised face. He sees Aunt May. So he's about to go up and start saying something to Aunt May. And then he sees Harry there as well. And oh, yeah, while all this is going on, even at the beginning when they're trying to they, uh, go after the first person that they thought was Osborne. There's a person camouflaged with a rifle in the background doing things. Come to find out it's Silver Sable back from the dead. Of course, we don't know how. And that's where the story ends because uh, Spider-Man and Mockingbird confront her. So, uh, so I can remember a couple of years <laughs> ago when I was reading the Spider-Man books that they did a big thing with... Um, Oh, what was his name? Hobgoblin. And and part of his whole deal was that he was stealing other people's identities and running around. And you had no idea who the actual Hobgoblin was because he was putting masks on that look like other people's faces and stealing other identities. So, I mean, is Osborne just, is it the same thing? So far, it looks to be the same type deal. And I guess it's that he actually started this, I guess, at the end of Superior Spider-Man, I think, right? Is that when that started? Because that, that ended with him going after Osborne, I think. Yeah, remember. he caught him. He took it's, the mask it's been a while. Off. Yeah, really. I think he, he finally got up, cut Osborne, took the mask off, and he had a different face on. But it was still Osborne. He just looked totally different. Hmm. And then that's kind of carried over and been kind of lurking in the background through the next volume of Amazing Spider-Man. So they're finally just getting around to addressing it. Right. Okay. Fun and right, I forgot that that happened. Yeah. Which slot's mm-hmm. done a decent job of kind of like having all these like dangling plot 
devices where he can go and pick them back up whenever he needs to. Yeah, but, I mean, is that because of planning or just because he forgets what he's doing and then every so often someone writes a letter and they're like, hey, whatever happened to this? Oh, right. Hey, I know what the new crossover is going to be. Or something, or in some event got in a way that he couldn't do the stuff when he wanted to. Right. I feel like he's, to me, it comes (laughs) off more as long-term planning. Because even, like, with the Doc Ock taking over Spider-Man's identity, he had that seeded for, like, what, two years beforehand? All the stuff he had been doing with uh, Dr. Octopus getting sick or doing the whole ends of the earth deal and then getting sick and body deteriorating and needing to find a different way to keep on living, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not willing to give slot that much credit, <laughs> but that ended it for the main issue of the, of the, of the book. There were like three or four different backup stories. And I'm gonna be honest. I skipped the majority of the rest of the backups. There's one with a dude named clash. I think who showed up in, I think like, learning to crawl story or whatever. Oh, he was in the um, um, Civil War, the Civil War Two story, uh, because he was the one, he was a villain that had turned good, but now yeah. Ulysses thought he was going to turn bad, so because he thought he was going to turn bad, he thought he did have to turn bad, and it was, it started out pretty good, but it fell apart at the end. Yeah, he referenced something about trying to do good, and then, I'm trying to think, that, actually, that was the story, yeah, that was the story, that, that was the first backup, so I read bits and pieces of that one, so I remember that one a little more better. He started, he fought Spider-Man, of course, and got away. And I think at the, at the end of it, Spider-Man had caught up with him, but he was sort of spying up on a rooftop somewhere, looking down, and uh, Clash was with a woman, and it had something to do with uh, helping steal animals, because they were going to be lab uh, rats, I guess. It was a bunch of dogs. And then he helped steal them and take them to an animal shelter. And then Spider-Man decided to let, let him go free. He didn't even confront him. He just like let him go and kind of left it at that. So that was one story. Uh, there was another story that was drawn by Todd Knock. I don't even remember what that one was about. Actually, that actually might have been the Todd Knock story. Uh, there was another one, a teenage Peter. Could have been a, his own separate like Spidey story. Um, but the final backup was the p- most important one, and it was a Doc Ock one. So picking up with him after Clone Conspiracy. He's gone off to this other part of the U.S. to want to... Actually, I think he actually went to uh, out to California because he had a base out there. He gets to his base, and keep in mind he's in a new, his new prototype body that's young and uh, it looks like a, a mix between Peter Parker and Doctor Octopus. So he's got all like the Spidey reflexes and whatnot, and youth and strength. But he's got like the sort of weird buzz cut type hair of uh, Otto Octavius. He's got so the bowl cut. To, it's actually not. A, it's actually not a bowl cut. It's like a like a mohawk that's slicked back. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah, so it's it's just it's all bald except for the one streak down the middle. That's oh, slicked back. Great. Yeah. But he gets to his uh gets to his hideout and Hydra agents are there. He beats them and then he's confronted by Arnim Zola who says it was all a test and he passed. So they want Hydra wants him to take over that uh, cell or whatever. He agrees because he wants to use Hydra for his own means. Uh, he does some some work, and it basically ends with him uh, in his new Otto Octavius suit. That's like in the green Hydra. It's like black and white, black and green Hydra outfit. Kind of, it basically looks like the Superior Spider-Man outfit, except he's got like a, a Hydra emblem on his chest, and he calls himself the Superior Octopus. So, could have been a better name. Wait, how does that work? <laughs> When he was the original octopus in the first place, 
Don't ask me. Well, because now he's young and, and he's got better reflexes and stuff. But it's still him. Yeah, but it's a different body. See, the body's better. Okay, sure. <laughs> and it says to be continued in Amazing Spider-Man number 29, uh, Secret Empire. Of course. So, yeah, that's how Spider-Man's going to tie in somehow. So in four issues. Yes, four issues from now. Because Secret Empire is a summer event, right? Yes. It's, I, thought in, I, thought, I thought it started in May, but I guess that's too soon. Well, or I think there's it? a zero issue that comes out in May. And then it actually yeah. starts with number one in June. But I think it's I think it's twice a month. Because uh, there's eight issues, I think, to it. So I think it's twice a month. Because that maybe, would not make sense. Maybe Amazing Spider-Man either crosses over late or middle part of the crossover. Or maybe it like, double ships until then. But maybe. either way. So he'll, Doc Ock will be a part of it. So you you were a fan of Superior Spider-Man, so maybe you'll... I was. I might go and just read that backup story. I'm not... Like, I read the whole uh, clone conspiracy thing, and it was all right, but it, it, was, it was one of those where it ended, and it's like, oh, everything goes away, you know, so. Hmm. Right. And I was about to say, it sounded like there was another missed opportunity in this issue, because I heard you mention something about switching face into it, and all I was thinking about was face-off, which is... It's <laughs> still a missed opportunity. Yeah, but would you, would you choose Travolta's face or Nicolas Cage's face? That's a good question. <laughs> a good question. There's no right answer. No, I mean wrong answer. But if I was, but if, but if I was Osborne doing it, probably uh, Travolta, more of a ladies' man. Yeah, no, 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 no telling how Osborne's mind works anymore. So I see Agent Seventy is filling out his spreadsheet of books, read and he read it. So whenever he comes on, he can chime in. His notes do, do say nine ninety nine for this. Opening and closing stories in the book make this a five nine nine book at most. So. Okay, harsh. Mm. Yeah, he read a lot, so he can talk about a lot. Of I forgot I had those there. <laughs> they come in handy. Hmm. All right. Is there something else we want to get to? Well, actually, of course there is. Well, no, it's in the show. What did you read, Roger? I read a couple of books. Um. Dave, actually, see, did he read that? <laughs> Go to Black Panther, Black Panther book. Okay, sure. Uh, Black Panther World of Wakanda number five. Let's knock that out of the way. So this issue takes place around the time, and it says oh in the beginning also, but if you if you remember back, but um, this issue takes place around Black Panther number one. So we basically this issue spends time getting caught up on getting to the beginning of that, which, which means um, Anika's still in jail. Uh, Ayo's trying to get her out. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in in, um, in other parts of Wakanda that the Dora Milache kind of get wind of. And they're like, well, yeah, we need to kind of take care of this stuff, but we can't, you know, there's only so much we could do. And we are supposed to be here for the king, T'Challa, who's off at the time, you know, Kind of think about Shuri and all the, whatever all those kind of stuff was going on, and the uh, the riot that happened in in Black Panther number one. So we get we see where uh, Ao gets the the midnight armor or gets access to the midnight armor or Angel's armor. We see we go back to the break in the breakout of um, Anika's prison, which was I believe done in Black Panther number one. We get to see uh, the Dora Milaje kind of uh, basically taking their role as, um, I don't want to say 
Wakanda's cops, but um, they've been kind of going around taking care of situations that's that's been brought to their attention, you know, kind of on the sly. Um, and we also see that one of the former uh, Dormilage, who ended up being enhanced uh, by who we come to find out in this issue, uh, Stain, which if you recall that first arc of um, of uh, Black Panther, he Stain was coming in kind of trying to get the country, you know, trying to trying to do stuff for the country so they didn't get it in, in his graces so he could do that. And we come to find out that this former Dora Milaje was um, enhanced by Stain and Stain wants her to do something. So that's where we find out that connection back to that um, to that stuff. And uh, we also find out that this same Dormilege, whose name is Falami, um, tried to take revenge on the the um, tried to take revenge on Anika, who killed her father. What the issue or two before couldn't do that, <clears throat> but ends up getting enhanced even more and ends up killing the head of the Dormilege, or at least gravely injuring, as we can see at this point. We're not, I'm not sure if she actually, she's actually dead. They're making it like she is actually dead, but I'm not really certain. And then, like I said, she goes off and finds out that uh, Stain wants her to do some stuff, and she's like, okay, she'll do anything. So I'm going to assume that that's going to come up uh, in subsequent issues, if that's going to cut forward or get intertwined with what's already happened in the Black Panther book with Stain and whatnot. But we shall see. So basically, like I said, what's that? On the cover there, is that Namor's Trident? Um, that's right. No, that's part of the uh, Midnight Angels armor. I believe that that is not named from Namor. Okay. That was all. And joining us is Agent 70. <laughs> That's right. No sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm here. Finally made it. All right. Load up effects because I'm turning them off. You got it. <laughs> we, before Black Panther, World of, World of Wakanda, we did, or I did, Mason Spider Man 25. Okay. The only. I was about to say the only addition I would have to this, and I'm glad that, you know, I noticed from your, your reviews that you covered the big story points that were covered at the beginning, at the end of this issue, which in my mind made this a five ninety nine book, not a nine ninety nine book. You know, all the middle stuff was just so much filler, but the beginning and the end, you know, the, the opening and closing stories in this, you know, anniversary issue were what really made it worth it. So, or at least close to, you know, being, you know, worth it. There was a lot of filler in this, but as uh, Tim probably pointed out, the very beginning of the uh, the the, uh, the opening of the, uh, the the anniversary issue um, brings back a long thought dead character, and the uh, the ending of the issue, the last story in the uh, the anniversary issue, shows us the uh, the final evolution of what was once the superior Spider-Man uh, taken to its logical conclusion in a new clone body for uh, one Otto Octavius. Like that the the. Inevitable conclusion leads to Hydra octopus. Yeah, it's a good, you know, it was. It's a nice uh, tie into. I hate to say this, it's a nice tie into Secret Empire. You know, once I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, now I see where this is going. Yeah. Okay, so we've gotten Amazing Spider-Man out of the way and Black Panther: World of Wakanda out of the way. Um, do you guys want to switch gears to anything DC, like Batman number nineteen, which I did read? We can. Sure. So uh, I pulled the uh, the Tim Sale cover 
this week, which I think is much more um, emblematic or, or re- representative of what actually happens in this issue. It's really um, uh, Bane uh, running through a gauntlet of uh, of uh, Batman rogues when he enters the uh, uh, the doors of uh, Arkham Asylum. I want to say that you know it does kind of follow relatively predictably, you know, from beginning to end, but. The one note, and it really stuck out to me because it was one of the first or, or second matchups that uh, that Bane runs into. Forgive me, guys, and and fans of the podcast and 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 watching on video now. But maybe my understanding of the character of Solomon Grundy is really based upon um, the Justice League uh, cartoons. I always thought that Solomon Grundy was like ready to take you know hits from Superman. He was like a you know like a a brick type character. Why is it that Bane is trading punches with him in this? I'm sorry, that just kind of like shocked me, you know, out of my uh, suspension of disbelief. I don't know if anyone on the panel wants to chime in on that, but you know, I always thought that I always thought that Bane was kind of like a overpowered uh, street level guy, not someone who could duke it out with Solomon Grundy. My he, understanding yeah. of Solomon Grundy, though, is that he's um, dead. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, but but he doesn't feel the pain, so it's not so much that. He, he withstands the hit because of invulnerability. It just doesn't mm. slow him down because he doesn't feel it. So it's not like ah. he's going to punch out Superman. Gotcha. It's just that Superman has a hard time putting him down because he just keeps getting up and keeps going. Okay. Okay. Well, like I said, you but, know, I mean, you he's know my... also a character that every 10 years he's reimagined by a different writer and things change. Yeah. What I was going to say, yeah. What I was going to say, he was probably uh, souped up somewhat uh, for the cartoon. Yeah. Cause I remember there was even a storyline where he uh, got, like all of his memory back and he became like a normal, he was more like tombstone in a way. He was just like mm-hmm. a normal guy and just this big white skinned body. Um, but that didn't last very long either. So yeah, he's gotcha. just one of those characters that can be pretty much whatever the writer wants. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Plus uh, Bane was jacked up on Venom when he took him on. So, right. But like I said, you know, um, you know, when you're, when, when your only information on the character is that, you know, he's taking you know literal punches from Superman. It's hard to imagine Bane he popped up, you know, hopped up on the most uh, 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 powerful dosage of venom that he can uh, put together. It's still kind of hard to imagine. But like I said, let's you know, let's move on. That kind of just shocked me out of uh, my disbelief. Um, ultimately, the rest of the issue plays out with um, with Bane running through the gauntlet and finding um, uh, the proverbial uh, uh, Minotaur at the end of the maze, i.e., Batman. So uh, that's pretty much where we leave off. Um, it's you know it's a pretty effective uh, uh, issue if the only point of the issue is to make out make Bane out to be you know at pretty much at the top of uh, uh, Batman's Rogues Gallery in terms of uh, unstoppability, and if that's what Tom King was really trying to get at, then it was a pretty effective issue uh, to do that you know because he's basically running roughshod through Batman's Rogues Gallery. It also gave King an opportunity to write some of Batman's classic Rogues. While also including all the ancillary characters that no one's heard of before. Sure. There's always someone that he throws in. He loves that stuff. We got to see Calendar Man again. Right. Right. And I forget to do that. The the, the very ver- first guy that was quoting, doing all the quotes. I have to look that guy's name up. Maxi Zeus. Yeah. I have no, I'm, I have I have no, no idea, idea who that is. I didn't even have time. <laughs> I didn't want to bring myself to go to, to, to Google on that one. You got something on that one, Dirt? I just remember that. Uh, he's not he's related not... to Maxi Priest. I'm sorry. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. 
I just remember him being in the um, Alan Grant, Norm Breifogel run of Detective. Uh, and uh, he was just a guy who thought he was uh, the, like the reincarnation of a Roman god or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah, I believe that. Didn't they show him on Justice League once or twice? It's like, who didn't show up on Justice League? Yeah, well, that's true, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, that was Batman. All right. How about, uh, as you guys can see, if you scroll up the sheet, I literally filled in every single line on this because of the, the stupid train delay I sat through t- uh, tonight. I read a bunch of stuff. Let's go. Let's see. I can stay on DC for... Except for DC. <laughs> yeah. Some stuff I'll save for my rapid fire, but uh, All-Star Batman number eight. Okay. Since we're on Batman. How was that? It's pretty good. Um, I have not read the previous two issues, which uh, are the first two parts of this new arc. But from what I understand, Batman's kind of doing this gauntlet, uh, almost like uh, Bane, Bane did at, at uh, Arkham. Which actually, that brings me back to Batman. So how did Batman convince the the villains of Arkham to help or get in the way of Bane for him? Why would they care? that he wanted Batman. That's just something that stuck out to me. I think it's because Bane wanted to take over Gotham and they all see Gotham as theirs. So it's, it's not so much like trying to help Batman as much as trying to stop the other guy who thinks he's better than they are. Okay. Stay yeah, off my turf right. type deal. Yeah, that's, that's probably right. Uh, but he, so in number eight, so I guess in issue six, Batman went to like the Antarctic frozen tundra to search out Mr. Freeze which then led him to a desert, which I didn't find. Uh, I don't know if they referenced what villain he met there, but now that has also taken him to search out the the Mad Hatter in this issue. And I guess all three issues are drawn by different artists. So here we have uh, Amazing Spider-Man artist Kevin uh, Coley, Giuseppe. So uh, I think you mean Flash artist because he's drawing no. the Flash. Yeah, he does the Flash. That's common. Something else. Oh, it's not the same, not guy? The same guy. No. It's a different guy? Yep. Are you serious? This is the Mason Spider-Man artist. I thought it was the same dude doing both. Nope. Really? I'm, now I'm going to look that up. I'm for real, yeah. yeah this has got it in John's... Uh, I, I, just thought the guy, I just thought the guy got around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Good guess, though. Their names are kind of similar. But uh, there's a reference to... So something's... Go, there's... there's uh, Mr. Freeze let something up in the air... Naturally, it might not have been Freeze. It might have been whoever the real person pulling the strings behind all this is. Uh, some, let some spores into the atmosphere that is making things decay here on Earth. So it's like something went into the atmosphere and it's, I guess, dropping, it dropped rain or somehow it is making just the landscape turn black and killing everything in its path. He was able to stop it with the help of Pamela Isley. This was in, I guess, issues six and seven. Um, the Blackhawks, who I guess are a DC... Um, team. Didn't they have a book in the New 52 when it launched, Blackhawks? Yeah, they were basically like the G.I. Joe team. Right. Yeah, he, he, he Batman references them being like, they stop apocalyptic events or something or another. And that's the reason they got involved, since that plague could wipe out the planet. Except like they're hunting him and Duke, and it looks like they captured Duke. Uh, but Batman doesn't know that yet. But uh, he finds the Mad Hatter in this like sort of fortress-type building. And Mad Hatter is playing like a trick on him where it looks like he's kind of like uh, sort of trying to mess with his mind, which I guess Mad Hatter does. I don't really know much about the character. But there's a lot of allusions to like, like it's, it's all like the narration is all in Batman's head. And he talks about how 
uh, Matt Hatter asked him if he remembers the first time they met. Batman says he does. And it, but it's like the first time they met, he was Bruce Wayne. So it's like, is he Matt Hatter yet another villain that knows who Batman is underneath the mask? And he, he starts messing with them and Batman it's like Batman can't tell what's real and what's fake. And he starts alluding to how like all this Batman and fighting villains and stuff is just something that he's made up in his head. And like he's like him in the real world is just this like invalid sort of guy that's just like stuck in a chair and has Alfred serving him and taking care of him. But he of course he of course uh breaks out of that and because he's Batman, he defeats Mad Hatter and he's like off to find who the real puppet master uh, behind all this is. I did like how ever since uh at least during the initial arc of All Star Batman, like Batman or Scott Snyder trained Batman to be sort of like this cussing character. Oh, he likes putting a cuss word here. Yeah. I was about to say this is like uh the the standard for the all star line, right? Once they put All Star in front of the character name, it's like, oh we can cuss now. Oh, is that how they do it? Oh, I mean you guys remember All Star Batman and Robin, right? I've never read it. With Frank Miller and Jim Lee, no? Nope. All right. They had but, uh, an infamous issue of that where they uh where Batgirl is just using obscenities and slurs right. and all kinds of stuff and they put black boxes, but the ink on the black boxes covering up her swear words was a different type of black ink. So, you see so yeah, yep. so if you held it at the right angle, you could totally read it without any problem. Right. And I, I think they recalled that issue and then they, they reprinted did. They, it. They recalled it uh to pulp it and sent replacement copies, but everybody was like, No, we're keeping it. Yeah, I kept mine. I have mine. Yeah, they used the they used the different sit, sit, uh, symbols and characters here instead. Yeah, that's what they lesson. do now. They they learn their lesson. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, he's fighting. He fights the uh, actually. I think these are Black Hawk uh, soldiers. He's fighting, but in his mind, in his mind, they, they look like uh, Dick, uh, Nightwing, Red Hood, and Batwoman, and they're trying to like talk him down and like you know, you know, Batman don't do this. Except he ends up finding him, find him and being him. And he's like, how did I know that that's not my family? He's like, because my family can fucking fight. <laughs> yeah, fucking flat out. That's funny. Yeah. So. By the way. And then the, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the backup story. Backup story is another Duke story that they're continuing. Uh, if you've read some recent interviews with Snyder, he's trying to, he's building Duke up to be a part of whatever big Batman centric summer event they have going on. Duke trying to find his place in the DC universe and, you know, trying to not to be a Robin or any other type sidekicks and trying to, like he may, at one point he talks about how he's not allowed to go out at night with Batman, but he can go on like other missions with him. And he's, he ends up meeting one of his former, we are Robin teammates and they're talking about it. And she's like, well, maybe you just need to find your, you know, find your lane in the light and stuff like that. All right. So, kind of curious to see where that goes. And I'm also, it's funny how of the characters that, uh, the, the side Batman characters that Snyder's created, that Duke has sort of uh, ahead of Harper Row. Well, yeah, because they went for the quality character. Ah! I'm waiting for it. Yeah, Harper Row doesn't get much love on this podcast. Um, but yeah. All right, uh, just a couple of quick notes. The artist that uh, PCN underscore Dirt is thinking of is actually another uh, person who appears to be of Italian descent, Carmine Di Giando Menico, which doesn't sound, which sounds nothing like Giuseppe Conco. Well, it sounds more than Joe Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and to back up to what we, I was discussing earlier about. Uh, 
uh, what you call about Batman number uh, nineteen. I was just looking at the uh, the Solomon Grundy um, powers and abilities section on the Wikipedia page, and I love how the Wikipedia page is basically like, yeah, his strength has varied greatly through the years. So it pretty much is on track with what we were talking about in terms of the various uh, incarnations and interpretations of the character. Yep. All right. Okay. What else we got here? What'd you guys read? Man, dirt. I only I actually only read two books. Yeah, I see. I'm save one of my D- save the rest of my DCs for later. Let's see. How about uh... yeah, there's one I want dirt to talk about because it's like it's the one that he's read. But we will save that for a second. So let me get let me go ahead and get to one since we're still on DC kick. Okay. Uh, Trinity number seven. I'm curious about this book because I'm I can't tell if Francis Manpool is not doing this anymore or not. He is not because this is Colin Bunn doing this issue. But I think he's only doing a fill-in issue. I don't even know if he's the full-time. If, if it is, then he got him laying some groundwork for him uh, because we look like we have a new arc um, and what looks to be a new, like say, let's say a reverse Trinity uh, getting formed here, if you can see from the cover, which is uh, Rachel Gould or Raza Gould, whichever you say it, Lex Luthor and Cersei who all end up meeting in this one spot. And then there's some talk of Pandora and, and Pandora's box and something that looks like the uh, Lazarus pit, Lazarus pit, but it's not, it's kind of a reverse, but apparently it seemed like they're, they've all got summoned to this place um, to be confronted by their um, nemesis, their nemesis, which just so happened to be our beloved uh, Trinity in this case. And then there's this amalgam thing that rises out of, out of one of the poles, amalgam of uh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, who fights each one of them individually, but the others can't see, you know, the others can't see. Um, they, only see who, they only see who they're fighting. Yeah, they only see their version, their, their, their own nemesis that they're fighting, but the, the audience sees, like, the amalgam uh, of, um, of the person. And then, like I said, this is just pretty much starts the ball of rolling of what seems to be a team up between the three of them to go up against um, our Trinity. Are the good guy trilogy? They never members? show up in any of okay. the book. Well, with the exception of, let me phrase that with the exception of when you see each one of them fighting, you know, like Rachel goes fighting, um, fighting Batman and the other ones is kind of, you know, there because like I said, they don't see him. They just see their own nemesis. But then at the end of it, they're, um, they finally actually team up. Cause all of them are kind of like, they're on their own accord and for their own reasonings. Um, and of course, and all these people are brash enough to think that they don't really need anybody. And they, you know, they're the leaders in this kind of other, but they end up uh, teaming up to fight this thing, to start fighting this thing, which is seems to be all in their heads or whatever the case may be. I'm not sure. Or it seems to be some sort of projection. So it's not actually, you know, Batman, Superman or Wonder Woman. So realistically, okay. no, they don't show up at any course of this book, unless you count that. Interesting. So, yeah, so like I said, starting a new arc, and then I'm sure. And and but the thing that's that keeps just like in the last arc, you know how they were going through different um, points of view. Like you would hear Batman's voice, and you got the the, the lettering color out, and so on, so on. So on. They did the same thing with these villains. Ah, okay. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting wrinkle, you know, I, I'm going forward. But it was a good read, though. The series. Huh? Yeah, I, I was I was enjoying the series from um from the jump, you know, because it was slightly different. You know, and plus I hadn't really read a, you know, too much on the DC front, like you guys have. So I figured if I want to do it, you might as well go with the with the three. You know, but I like the way Manipal was doing the book, and like I, said, I don't know if 
if this is going to be a one-off for Bun or he's taking over for now or something like that. I guess the rumor was that Manipole had to go do, I think he's doing Aquaman year one or something like that. Right. So he might be doing, writing and drawing that. So maybe. Yeah. And man, okay. who knows how maybe he was ahead on this book or whatever the case may be. I don't know what was, what would lend itself. So maybe there is some issues going forward that will have him. Or maybe he did the Marvel style of, you know, I kick off the first arc and then hand it over to someone else. That's quite possible also. Yeah. Cool. All righty. Uh, do we, so we get, I guess we can do Superman 19. Get PC and Dirt back in here. Oh, do I have to? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is part three of Superman Reborn. As we, we realize that it's Mr. Mitsuplik who's been masquerading as Clark Kent now. Mitsupixelik. Mitsupixelik. Mid, middle, middle pixel. Yeah, whatever. There's <laughs> Mitzi, as they call him on Supergirl. Right. Because that's much easier to say. Um, I like the reveal that that's who uh, the Clark Kent was, because um, that makes sense. Um, I mean, it makes as much sense as anything. I mean, you In know. In a comic book. Right. right. To, to make a character. And also for the fact that he was a key part of the Grant Morrison Action Comics run. Um, and then he did just kind of disappear. Uh, writers stopped using him. So the fact that they, you know, kind of no-prized him back into a storyline with actually the fact that they forgot about him is part of the storyline that, that feeds into this. Um, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, I thought the artwork was a lot of fun in this book. Um, yeah. Especially when they drew his face, there were sometimes he looked like the Grinch who stole Christmas. There were sometimes he looked like a gremlin. Uh, sometimes he looked like a creepy old man. Um and you could just tell that uh, doing the references of like the the Candyland backgrounds and the board game that they're all mm. running around on, and uh, you know all of that kind of stuff was uh, uh, was just fun for them to do, and so uh, really jumped into it. I enjoyed this a lot, um, and we do get uh, Mixelplick throws in a new Fifty Two reference, um, actually like by name naming New Fifty Two. Uh, which is kind of funny because that's a reference that we get, but no one else in that universe will understand. Um, and then the reveal oh, at the yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, Deja New 52. Yeah. And then the end, what we get, if, if you've paid attention to the solicits and the um, the cover reveals for what's coming up, you, you kind of knew this was coming. Um, you just didn't know exactly how. Um, but tying it back into a storyline from the nineties that was creative yet took a whole lot of flack from the uh, comic book community. And they basically um, just ran with it uh, here. I, I just kind of like the, like the trolling of the haters uh, that they're doing with that particular uh, red and blue reference. We'll say. So it, uh, a lot of DC rebirth sort of hints and clues dropped here, like talking about how, Superman was split in two, a red and blue, and the one well, we see that. now from the pre-New 52 was the blue, and John Kent finding the red. And the thing is, we've we've gotten these little, like, hints, um, you know, throughout Reborn, um, that, you know, you're... Uh, th- when the guy was coming in eating all the Supermen and stealing their powers, um, he was like, well, you're not on my list, I don't know where you came from. Um, they had Oz telling him like right at the beginning of reborn, 
or at DC Rebirth just saying that you are not who you think you are and stuff like this. So, I mean, you knew something was coming. There was something more than just the fact that he was from a different timeline. There was something else going on with this, and so we're seeing that come out. So, I, again, I like when they take the small storyline points that have been sprinkled through and then they, you know, bring them together. But plus, just the fact that uh, Mixelplick had been a big part of the the action uh, storyline and then was forgotten. And so his whole thing was he was mad that he was forgotten. I mean, it actually, it, it works. It makes sense. And it even throws back to the John Byrne days of when he took over Superman. There's a couple references um, where he's talking about when he was forgotten and the stuff he used to do in the past. I think that was in the last part. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we're free to talk about it more openly now without it being a spoiler of, of who the character is. It's Mr. Mixleplick. So, um, I, again, that's the type of stuff I love when they take those breadcrumbs and and work them back into the story. So, yeah, I'm loving this, and uh, I found this to be... Well, this is obviously going to be my click of the week. I only read two books. Uh, so... <laughs> I like this one a lot. This is my click. But I think even if I had read a dozen books this week, uh, I'd still probably be picking this one for my click. I have a question. And the first part of Superman Reborn in whatever Action Comics 974, I guess it was, um, we see was it Mr. Oz's lair and someone escaped. Is it supposed to be Mr. Plick or Mitzi that escaped? Which wouldn't make sense because he's already been masquerading around as Clark in... Uh, whatever Superman's hometown metropolis. Yeah. I don't know that we have a clear answer to that yet. Okay. Like, you know, on first glance, you'd think, Oh, it's Mitzi. But well, like I said, he's thing already is, been you, around. Yeah, but you don't know when exactly it happened because it, it could have happened, you know, six months ago. And we're just now given that piece of the storyline, you know, but then also I think Mr. Plick, however you say his name referenced how he's, he referenced how he knows things aren't right in the universe. Right. Like him and him and the villain from Titans, Kadabra, Abra, Kadabra, like they are having been like outside time. So that, I, I guess that would make me think, you know, he hasn't been ca- held captive somewhere. Yeah. I, I don't think it is him. I, I, I think it's someone that just hasn't been revealed yet. Okay. Maybe we'll find out in next week in the finale. Um, cool. But yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Me too. Let's forget. What you got, Agent 70? I've got a lot of books here. Let's see yeah, if I can find is. something. Yeah, yeah, let's see if I can find something in common with you guys. How about... Or just uh, pick the cream of the crop. All right. Cream of the crop. Mighty Thor number 17. Mighty Thor number 17. We continue with this uh, contest of the God storyline with the, uh, the Shi'ar um, gods uh, addressing this challenge to uh, Thor and we, what's revealed in this is why uh, these Shi'ar gods even uh, uh, appear and why they even um, uh, uh, give this challenge to, uh, to Thor in the, you know, in the first place. Um, where we start the issue with is the continuation of the previous issue where um, Shia, uh, Shara and Kithri and Thor are going through these trials of the gods where um, they basically... Uh, visit plagues and, and, and pain upon their followers. And it's all a contest of who can do the worst to the people who follow them, um, you know, or worship them. And it's, you know, one after another, some of them have uh, straight up biblical references. Uh, you know, you definitely see, you know, a straight up uh, biblical reference, you know, right in the, um, the, uh, was it? it looks like the third page of the book, um, you know, uh, you know, with one, um, 
you know, with one uh, father getting ready to uh, sacrifice his son on the altar uh, to, to appease um, Shara and Kithri. Um, again, uh, Thor finds herself, um, you know, not willing to go as far because she's not, uh, she's not willing to sacrifice the, the lives of, you know, just about anybody uh, in this, just to appease the uh, terms of the, uh, the contest. And what we, uh, you know, what we run into is the perpetrator of this particular uh, scheme. And if you read any Thor issues, if you even watch the Avengers movie, you kind of understand who's behind all this. That's really not that big a surprise, but it's still a cool reveal. Nonetheless, um, there's some callbacks to uh, the uh, the gore, the God Butcher storylines from from uh, from uh, uh, what was the what was the title? Was it Mighty Thor? No, it wasn't Mighty Thor back then. Thor, Thor God, God of Thunder. Thunder, right? Uh, there's some callbacks to that, straight up, you know, straight references to that. Um, the person that's over the games is the same alien race as Gore looks like. Exactly, 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 exactly. Um, there is a particular as guardian weapon put to use in this. And one interesting thing that I, that I saw in this, it was, it was kind of, uh, interesting to see. Um, as I mentioned before, these are, she are gods. So, so of course the, uh, the, the current majestrix slash leader of the Imperial guard, uh, Kalark, AKA gladiator and his son, um, take on a particular, uh, as guardian artifact that's, uh, uh, that that's uh, pretty powerful in its own right, and to see uh, Gladiator and Kid Gladiator kind of brought down low by this particular Asgardian uh, artifact is pretty, uh, you know, cool to see. Um, and uh, you know, we we find that uh, the Shi'ar uh, gods have basically uh, come to the conclusion that they actually have to kind of uh, 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 call in, I guess the. Uh, the best way to put it is kind of like the, uh, the the final big boss, the final determinator of this particular contest, and uh, it doesn't look good. You know, there's some uh, fire and brimstone being churned up, so uh, we'll see what happens in the next issue. So, again, I, I enjoyed this. There's a lot of cool little moments in this. Um, what I love about this book is that Aaron, Jason Aaron, the writer, has definitely woven the entire run of both Thor, God of Thunder, and Mighty Thor together, and you know, interwoven uh, bits and pieces of all the stories uh, to bring us to where we are now. And that is so much fun, for, especially for those of us who've been reading since uh, his run started. And we also find out why the Shi'ar gods have taken such an interest in our Thor. Oh yes, yeah. Like I mentioned before, you know, the the person behind it. You know, not a big surprise, although it was a great reveal nonetheless. Right. I love the art in this. Uh, oh, you're a big Dowderman fan. That is no, you know, that is no surprise. There's some great stuff in here by Dowderman. He does great panel work as well. Like the panels at one point when uh, a Shi'ar uh, mom is about to sacrifice her son to the gods, like the panel, all the panels make up this, the shape of a knife. Mm-hmm. So things like that. That was very good. Very different. Very, very uh, the different shapes of the panels he uses, and then the colors from Matt Wilson. This is uh, this will always be my favorite artistic book that Marvel puts out. But will it be my click of the week? Right. Dun, dun, dun. And another little tidbit: uh, we may see a new incarnation of the Warriors Three. Oh yeah. So you know that's that's kind of a cool little thing where it's kind of an aside in this book, but it's interesting that. Uh, the Warriors Three may be reincarnated in a, in a slightly different form uh, because of the events of this book, and because one particular member of the Warriors Three is uh, indisposed at the moment, uh, as he is otherwise engaged in um, uh, dealing with politics. We'll put it. We'll leave it at that. 
I'm curious how Quinn and Choir is going to factor into this story next issue. I forgot where we left off with him. I know that they teased that because he does he wield part of the Phoenix power now, the Phoenix Force. I guess, and I guess the Phoenix will get involved somehow in this. Exactly, because you know, with the Shi'ar, there has to be some you know connection to the Phoenix Force. But yeah, yeah, we'll see where that is. But that's something. You know, what's cool about that is that we're looking forward to see how that all ties in. And that's you know, I'm 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 not going to doubt Aaron at this point. And, you know, and, and see, you know, he's probably going to come up with something cool to, to, to tie, you know, this kind of disparate character into this mytho, into the story. Right. All right. Um, throw something else out there. Um, Roddy Cat, you read US Avengers number four? I flipped through it, yes. See, now I'm disappointed that you kind of didn't, you weren't, enth- you weren't uh, entertained by the, uh, the mini comic layout of the story. Oh, no, no. That part was, was, was cool from what I flipped. Like, and again, I, when I said I flipped through it, I, you literally flipped through it. I gotcha. Through it, yeah. So I didn't exactly read it, but I saw the first panel or the first page and saw American Kaiju, and from then on, I, I just blanked. Oh no! Shout out to Mike Wayne because you know that's his his favorite character. <laughs> but and oh yeah, that and I saw the um, Red Hulk and Deadpool. But if you want to go ahead and talk about it, I'll fill in whatever whatever else I remember. It's a Thunderbolts reunion, but not really because it's not yeah, the same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to say very quickly, um, you know, I like the, uh, the layouts of the, the layout of the book in, into like these little mini stories mm-hmm. um, with little, uh, with little, uh, with titles for each sub story, which is really funny too. Um, Al Ewing, as you can always tell, is having a blast with these like kind of, uh, uh, they're not um, the mainstream Marvel universe, but because they're, you know, they're still, you know, it's still an Avengers book. So he still has to, you know, uh, tie into the big events, which we obviously get to at the end of the book. But in the middle of this book, there's some great funny stories. There's a, a, a villain um, that, that, um, that, that is uh, introduced. I don't know if he's uh, actually, he's just a relation to, I think, an actual villain from um, uh, the history of Marvel. Um, uh, what was it? Van Doom? Roddy probably doesn't. Oh, yeah. remember. He didn't, you probably didn't read it that that closely, but no, this, I didn't. right? This this this. Uh, I think I saw like a solicitor or something or whatever when I to the book that I was talking right. about. Was but when you read this through, through, without spoiling anything, when you read this through, have you ever watched Rounders? No, no, I have not. No, oh, no, not uh, with Matt Damon and Ed Norton. Yeah, no, I haven't. Oh, see, uh, very quickly, uh, Tim. PC and underscore dirt. Have either of you watched Rounders? That's is that the yeah. one with John Malkovich and the Oreo cookies? Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. So when you scan through this book, right, I, I, I ask you to scan through this book and read the parts where um, this Dr. Van Doom is speaking and read it with the John Malkovich, Teddy KGB voice. And you will, you know, like I was laughing. I was laughing to myself because that's what it sounded like to me when I was reading it, that it was John Malkovich's script as Teddy KGB. So, you know, uh, like uh, without spoiling that movie and the book, um, I had a lot of fun with that. And um you know, there's a couple of uh, uh, cool bits in here between Red Hulk and Deadpool. Um, Deadpool, you know, plays a couple of big roles in books this week. But uh, as I said earlier, at the end of this book, we also tie into um, the current mainstream Marvel universe and what's, uh, you know, what's coming next, which is uh, Secret Empire. There's also what seems to be, from what I'm flipping through, seeing a Batman v Superman reference. Uh, maybe. No. Maybe. It's... Maybe. You could be I, right. I, feel, I don't know. I feel, yeah, I feel pretty confident that's what that was, but I don't know. Who knows? I'd have to flip back and, and, and take a look. Although I did like the uh, the political cartoon bit of one of the covers that uh, Deadpool 
um, jokes about. Yeah. All right. What else you guys got? Because um, I could keep throwing them out there. Uh, is anything anything you want to get to in depth before rapid fire? Okay, let's see very quickly in depth. Um, Uncanny Avengers number 21. Surprise, surprise. This is an actual candidate for click of the week for me. Um, believe it or not, I've been kind of on and off the storyline because it seems like it's um, taken a long time to get to a final confrontation with uh, uh, the Red Skull uh, power, you know, using uh, Xavier's brain as a, as a primary weapon. Um, there's actually a lot of great scenes in this issue. Um, uh, I give a lot of credit to the artist on this, Kevin Labranda, who I know who I'm not all that familiar with, although he may have been on this book for a while now. Um, there's a couple of really great scenes in this, you know, the, the, the art is somewhat hit and miss for me for the most part, but there's a couple of really great panels, um, you know, that, that are probably, uh, pinup worthy. Um, but all in all, there's some good storytelling in this. Uh, Duggan, as I think, is finally uh, woven uh, an interesting enough story to keep me hooked uh, into the next issue. I think that's been the problem uh, leading up to this point, where I just didn't care and I didn't see where it was going. But now that I do, um, I th- I think that it's a very well crafted story. You know, up to this point, it's probably one of those things that reads a lot better as a uh, trade paperback. But I'm, I'm glad- mad that you, that usually I read this every. Every the minute it comes out, but I didn't get mm-hmm. to it this week. But gotcha. glad to see you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's 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 been it's coming to uh, a nice uh, crescendo. Um, you know, there's been a couple of weeks where I just really couldn't bring myself to read it um, in time for the show. Um, I think did anyone else read uh, Totally Awesome Hulk this week? Anybody? Nay. Uh, no. All right. Well, I mean, I don't want to jump right into uh, rapid fire, but you know, it, it's. Um, you know, it's still a, a, a story that continues. Um, what what was what once started out as a night on the town in in New York City, eating Korean food and doing karaoke, turned into this uh, um, battle against aliens and, and a hostage situation uh, turned um, uh, uh, you know turning uh, civilians into a meat platter for uh, for uh, these aliens. And um, you know, there's there's a couple of nice scenes in this, well written by uh, Greg Pak which uh, kind of discuss, you know, some of the costs of, uh, of battle um, when it comes to uh, people who don't have powers in the Marvel universe. And it's, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty sobering to, to read, the, you know, these pages and remember that, yeah, um, there really are um, civilian, civilian casualties that do happen uh, in these superhero stories. So there is definitely a cost in human life to be paid, everyone, you know, um, uh, for, for some of these stories. And I think Roddy Cat read Ms. Marvel number 16. I did also um, kind of flip through that one. Okay, well, it looks like your, your notes are far more in-depth than mine. I just I, I like this issue because I thought that it definitely uh, uh, continued the story along and definitely progressed a lot of the, uh, the, the storylines. And I thought it was just a well-told story. You know, for, you know all the, 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 the stories uh, progressed in this issue. Yeah. Yeah, so, so to recap real quick, um, given Kamala's recent troubles with an online troll, we find out who's behind it. Um, and it's something fairly random, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah, it, it had to come out somewhere. Right. You know, and it also kind of plays to which if, if you if you follow G. Willowis on, on Twitter, you know, she's a pretty avid gamer of stuff, which is probably part of the reason why this, this kind of stuff kind of popped in here. But it uh, had to do with uh, some, I guess, a random dude who's a um, admin of, of her favorite game, 
Um, but in the course of this, uh, this person through their avatar wants to, you know, either out Kamala's uh, secret identity and uh, some information of some of a couple of her friends, which is not public knowledge that Kamala herself just found out about apparently through this person right. or well, just, forgive, just I was about to clue of. I was about to say, forgive me for, you know, uh, I, I read this. I'm, maybe you missed it because you were, you were reading it on the, on the quick side. Mm-hmm. But my understanding was that this was like another situation of uh, AI gone mad or programming gone mad. And it basically developed its own, um, you know, this code developed its own, um, uh, or this virus or code developed its own uh, personality and kind of went amok and, and developed its own dark side. And that's what is... I mean, yeah, there was that, but it also started from the, the um, right, from because it was supposed to start from the person who put that code into the game and kind of let it fly. And it and right. was steadily learning and learning from the players of the game and just so happens right. to drop off. You know, right, because nothing good ever happens when AI is involved. That's all I'm saying. Right. You know, so you know when something is, you know, when it's learning on its own, nothing good ever comes of that. I disagree, and I welcome our robotic overlords with wooden <laughs> arms. Uh, do not speak for me. <laughs> all robotic hate mail can be addressed to at age underscore seventy on Twitter. <laughs> oh. But yeah, but what ends up being uh, some blackmail that doesn't go the way the person or the AI go, uh, thinks it should ends up being a, a nice, I guess, story of coming out between um, uh, a couple of um, Kamala's friends and some, I guess, unrequited love at the same part, same time right. at that point. Right, right, right. So, yeah. So it ends up touching just like, you know, Miss Marvel's Miss Marvel ends up doing every now and then. And we get a... Um, we we get a shot of Bruno, who I did not read. I think it was the last issue where I think there was a there was a kind of a Bruno side story or whatever coming. I can't remember which one it was, but I know I'm, a, I'm at least one issue behind. But Kamala calls Bruno for some, some help with this versus this virus that she finds out you know is, is the case. Um, and I guess that's going to bring right. them back together to us in a sense. Right. Well, we'll see where that leads. But yeah, right. it's a you know he's a half a world away, and so you know we get to see how uh, possibly right, they. Exactly, they bring things back together. Yeah, and Wakanda getting a ro- looks like looks to be a robotic harm or something. Well, uh, I think his roommate is well, he's also there for study, but yeah, but yeah. he's been experimenting on yes, right. So all right, uh, but yeah, there's that. Actually, Derek, yeah, uh, He-Man Thundercast number six. I want to know your impressions of this. <laughs> Why? Okay. <laughs> well, having just read through it, you know. All right. Uh. Some of you guys may know this, you may not, but at popculturenetwork.com, we do host a couple different podcasts that are focused solely on He-Man, the Masters of the Universe. And Name them, name them. <laughs> uh, well, first is Fans of Power uh, with Joe Amato and Tyler Baker. And then we have Masters of the Galaxy um, with Brian Ozone, Aaron Johnson, and Andrew Kay. Um, and so both of those shows, uh, they are not fans of this series. Uh, mainly because they break down into so many reasons why uh, this character would not say these words. Uh, that's not how that person's powers can be used. Um, this character can only act in certain ways, and they're, they're doing it wrong, and blah, 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 whatever. I, on the other hand, I, I don't get that deep into the mythos, into the storyline. Uh, I'm more of a... I watched it as a kid. I like collecting the toys. I, you know, I play with them. If I were to take 
a He-Man action figure and a Lion-O action figure and put them on the floor and, you know, the type of things you close the curtains and you tell your kids that you don't do anymore, but you play with your toys. Uh, this is the type of storyline. I was so afraid that, of where you were going with that, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the type of storyline that would be be running through my head. It it goes crazy. It goes over the top. Uh, Mumra um, turns into dust, and Skeletor scoops him up and ingests him in order to get Mumra's powers and becomes uh, super powerful. Um, you've got. Uh, uh, He-Man gets stabbed in the chest, and so he turns back to to uh, Prince Adam in order to save him. The transformation is what saves him from dying. Um, Which is weird. You've, yeah. you've got um, uh, when when He-Man actually dies, they take him to Mumra's uh, pyramid and put him in the sarcophagus and bring him back to life. Um, like all of this, just crazy, over the top stuff, and. Mm. People got into so much of the details, like, well, we've never seen the, the uh, you know, the power of the sarcophagus work on bringing someone back from the dead. It just always, you know, re- repowers Mumra, and, you know, they fight about over the, those types of details. And for me, like I said, I don't get that deep into the mythos of it. Yeah, sometimes why, you gotta let why, some stuff go. Yeah, why couldn't you take a dead guy and throw him in there and have him come back? You know, I mean, it's... it's 80s cartoon toy universes, you know? So I enjoyed it. Uh, just for the over-the-top fun that it was. It was the um, the ancient spirits of evil from the Thundercats cartoon attacking uh, Castle Grayskull, and you had you know these great uh, two-page spreads where you can look and like uh, uh, Freddie Williams actually drew you know like ninety guys on the battlefield, and they're all. Uh, original characters like you can actually sit there with a magnifying glass and go through and pick out you know each individual guy there's a lot of just really fun ridiculous wild saturday morning cartoon type stuff in there and because of that i enjoyed the heck out of it yeah and the dialogue while it doesn't some of the stuff doesn't seem like anything any of the characters would say or at least how they would say it i i'm, I'm kind of with dirt when I, I enjoyed all of it because it like it was just it got kind of ridiculous some of the some of the stuff they were talking for they were saying i'm like Okay, sure, but you kind of got to you kind of got to go with it. Like even the fact that you know Skeletor, Skeletor and Mumra combine into one person, you know, um, some of the the quips that are said with with the people on the battlefield, the the team up with with uh, Lionel and He Man itself was just was 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 pretty great, you know. And I loved and it, in this particular issue when they start flipping through the different timelines and universes, yes. and so you've got like. Uh, the DC universe, but He Man is Clark Kent. Yeah. Um, and then they go Turning into another doing the, the Superman shirt rip. Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, they, they just had a lot of fun with it. Um, and and I thought the artwork was fantastic throughout. The one the one thing I think that took away from the story is that there was always a character narrating in every issue, and you it's not clear who the character is until you get to the final page. Um, and to me, it almost works better if you flip to the final page and you figure out who it is that's talking, then go back to the beginning and start reading. Because I think if they'd made it clearer who was talking, the story would actually flow. But you're kind of fighting against your own brain while you're reading through it because you don't know what voice to put to it. And you're not sure, is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? Is this inspiring? Or is this supposed to be terrifying? You don't really know until you get you know deeper into the story. So that's the one thing that I think was the the flaw of this storyline. Otherwise it was just a lot of fun. I think I'm going to go back and read this now. You, sh- you, you might want to, I'm not going to say you should, but you might want to, it, it, it really is. I probably, you know, I probably just couldn't take it seriously, you know, uh, as it was going along, but now that it's over and I see how, you know, just flipping through how, how, uh, how it ends, I, it looks like it's a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to going back and reading this. 
Well, and like I said, recipe, uh, yeah, but taking it seriously, you don't don't worry about taking it seriously because yeah, yeah, the guys who take it seriously, I mean, they part of the reason why they take it so seriously is that Masters of the Universe has kind of been this um, cursed property for a yeah. long time. Ever since that first cartoon uh, went off the air and the toy line stopped, then it just never was able to regain its mojo, and they've always been fighting to bring it back. And so they always want something that's you know the top shelf ultimate uh, like redemption of the IP. Whereas for me, and I think for most readers out there, for it was a Saturday morning cartoon or it was a bunch of toys that you had as a kid. You've seen it pop up in pop culture here and there over the years. Uh, but for the most part, you don't remember all the, all the small details. Um, you're not going to really get worried over, uh, is that the right version of the ancient spirits of evil that are being drawn from, you know, which cartoon series and whatever. Um, it's just a matter of, like, oh, I remember He-Man, powerful guy, Prince Adam, Castle Grayskull, cool. Okay, I remember lion and the Sword of Omens and Panthro and, you know, Chitara and... and, and the, but I, I think that because really Thundercats, I was going to say, I think because Thundercats enjoyed a little bit more longevity in terms of multiple seasons on television, I think it's a little bit more developed as a, as a property. Whereas, like you said, you know, with He-Man, we, there, we sort of have that, like, one or two seasons and maybe, like, some holiday specials to kind of go back to. Well, I mean, technically... And that one had, glorious movie. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, had, uh, look, you had He-Man and She-Ra, and then they did the new adventures of He-Man. Mm-hmm. And then there was the He-Man series in the early 2000s. Right. Um, and then there's been the, uh, the live-action movie. movie. Um, yeah, and then Thundercats had, had one rebirth, uh, but... Again, both properties have had their problems over the years, right. really clicking back into the mainstream. Um, so, if you're going into it like this is going to be the grand rebirth, you know, reimagining of the properties in order to, you know, get them back in front of everybody's eyes so that they'll green light a movie and we're going to have toys on the shelves again and whatever, that's not what this is. But if you're just looking for, hey, those guys I remember from Saturday morning cartoons beating the crap out of stuff, I mean, that's that's what this is, and that's why it was a lot of fun. Cool. And now the guys on those shows will never talk to me again. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, let's rapid fire. fire. Rapid well, hey, fire. well, since we're doing that, let's, let me go ahead and segue this then, since we're doing that. And by the way, I would say, because I, I want to close out that last one by saying this crossover and the Justice League uh, Power Rangers one have both been fun to, to me, which I think we talked about. But the, the, yeah, the I like that crossover too. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I am looking forward to which this and the, the, the DC books this week have all been kind of um, thrown in at the end about the crossovers that happened this month with the Hanna-Barbera DC stuff. And I, I am thoroughly looking forward to that when, when those when they come out. Uh, but that said, let us get to the crown jewel of the Hasbro universe. Micronauts? <laughs> yes. Since we are going into rapid fire, uh, G.I. Joe, number three, 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 especially since I didn't get a chance to read Mask or the Annual this week. Um, so real quick, Roadblock and the crew got away or were trying to get away from uh, Crystal Ball and the Dreadnoughts. They do so. They get also grab Crystal Ball, who apparently gets into uh, Rock and Roll's mind. Uh, let's see. Um, Lady J and Gung Ho are in Greece, and they they are still at the undercover at this uh, Cobra Sympathizer rally, which They're comes right out. To, uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, which turns out to be a set of diorates um, for some undercover some for some reason, and they have to fight their way out of that. Um, and as the cover shows, uh, Skywarp, who has been working with the Joes. Um, 
now wants his um his teleportation ability back and he's demanding that happen and I believe they go through this Doc Senior and um I can't remember who the um the the uh the wheelchair bound uh Joe is. Who, who by the way, that wheelchair bound um Joe was crippled by rock and roll who shot him, which I'm assuming happened in Revolution uh, or something, I don't know. So them two have beef, which has nothing to do with what happens in this issue. But um as they're testing for for Skywarp's ability to come back, Doc Senior turns into a wraith and dies and tells um tells the other Joe, hey Doc can tell Doc she could be anything she wants to be for and I'm not sure why that message was was the case, but I mean we, we maybe we can assume she, well maybe she's not a dire wraith, but you know but because of the fact that we know that dire can kind of take over people take over people's bodies and kill them instantly, you know. We cannot assume that. So that's a whole another wrinkle in the story, and that's pretty much what happens in, the, in this the, the length of the story. Crown right. Jewel, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow, I think you're out of books. Uh, yep. Wow. All right. Uh, Tim, do you have anything left to rapid fire? Let's go into it now. Uh, the Wild Storm number two. I'm liking the series, even though I didn't really read uh, a bunch of the Wild Storm books. I read like Wildcats when it first launched. Mm-hmm. But it's been so long ago, and I never kept up with all the different iterations. And was it Authority and Planetary or whatever those other books that Ellis kickstarted for them? But here, I, so I, in my notes, I said I wish I was more educated on the Wildstorm history, so I can keep track of who is a member of Halo, IO, and Skywatch. It's like three different organizations to keep track of here. I know Halo; I think are the good guys. Skywatch, I guess, is the bad guys because Henry Bendits is running them. And I believe I always thought Skywatch was good from uh, Storm. I'm thinking of Stormwatch actually, but uh, Henry Bendis also is a, has appeared in the uh, different volumes of Midnighter. So I guess this is like an alternate Earth in the DC Earth multiverse. But uh, the story's easy to follow. The art's nice. It's sort of like a intrigue drama mystery book. We get the introduction of Cole Cash, as you see on the cover here. He's a cat as he's called, Covert Operative. And, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 18. This was an Angela solo story. Yeah, kind of. I mean, for the most part it was. I read this also. I read it, and my my main note to this was, um, you know, I, knowing that this is the penultimate issue of, the, of this particular run of Guardians of the Galaxy, I figured I wanted to see how... Uh, how Bendis would end this particular issue, you know, what kind of cliffhanger it was. Spoiler, he did end it on the exact cliffhanger I thought he would, because we know, you know, who's supposed this to guys opening up. Exactly. We know who's supposed to appear in the next in the next issue, which is the last of this volume of Guardians of the Galaxy. Which doesn't really make sense to me because this character is often another limited series book doing things, but somehow has oh and he's in a, a limited series. I guess it's the Marvel don't try to think too hard how people can be in three different books at once. Because this villain's going to show up next issue to attack Earth with this big army of aliens. Person also has a their own uh, ongoing series where they're dying, and they're also a part of a right. limited series as a god tries to get a hammer. What do you mean? You mean you mean Bendis is ignoring a continuity? What? Bendis can do what he wants. Oh, with the Bendis. All right. And my last book is Super Sons number two which is probably going to be my click of the week. No kidding. I love this book. It's got great writing, great art. It's got the sons of Batman and Superman. And they try to break into Let's 
core building and they get confronted by Lex Luthor. So they have a little mini fight with him or Robin really just leaves Superboy by himself to distract Lex while he breaks into the building to investigate a family of superheroes and how they've vanished. But at the beginning of the issue, we find out why they vanished because the sun has killed them all. And it ties back to uh, Jeff John's run on Justice League uh, during the right before um, it was the story art before the dark, dark side war. Um, was it the Mazo virus? So the family, they cured, you know, Justice League, I guess, ended the Mazo virus, but some people kept their powers. The family was one of the people that kept their powers, except the son has gone crazy, I guess, or evil, and he killed family, all except for his sister, who Superboy ends up running into. And so he, I guess when that issue starts, he'll be dealing with the sister while Robin is confronted by the Amazo kid. I think they're calling him, or Kid Amazo. So great art, great writing, fun book. Click of the week. Wow. And I'm done. Wow. All right. So very quickly, just to wrap up my rapid fire reviews, uh, Captain America, Sam Wilson, number 20. I'm reminded of, um, I think it's the Three Musketeers, um, episode of uh, Tom and Jerry where the little uh, mouse says, Povra, 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 Pushycat. All I can think of is Povra, Povra, Rage because he's basically laid out to dry by Nick Spencer in this whole storyline. Um, you know, and, and, and uh, he may or may not have met his end in this issue. Um, but it's basically um, the impetus for Sam Wilson to possibly uh, do his version of uh, dropping the shield and leaving it all behind. Uh, we'll see uh, in upcoming issues. Daredevil, number 18. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that the Purple Man is in this book instead of in Jessica Jones, but we're moving on with um, uh, the backstory of how uh, Daredevil's uh, secret identity went back into the uh, bottle, You know the, how the, he was able to put that particular genie back into the bottle. Um, it may involve the purple children and um, the, the, the context of the story is uh, Matt Murdock um, in a confessional booth in a Catholic church. So uh, it's an interesting setup. Um, I still recommend uh, reading this. It's a pretty interesting story, despite the fact that, like I said, I would rather see uh, the purple man in the pages of Jessica Jones. Um, Spider-Man number 14. I know that dirt, uh, is not a fan of the story that is running through this book and Spider-Gwen. And I absolutely understand why, because it is taking forever and nothing is happening. It's just a bunch of um, uh, stupid tropes, uh, you know, time travel and dimension hopping tropes um, going through these pages, um, you know, having uh, Miles recount the tale of him uh, making out with uh, Spider-Gwen Stacy um, is, is starting to get annoying too. Um, my notes in very big capital letters are, why is this a nine-part story, Bendis? Nine issues of this. Wait, stuff. this is a nine-part story. Yeah, you just answered your own question. Oh I know. Gosh, see, I it's thought this was like, it can't be. It can't be that many. It is because if you go well, to I mean, this, this is eight or no, something. No, no, but... no, no. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. I'm exaggerating. It's only a six-part story. Why is this a six-part story? <laughs> so you're saying it feels like nine? God, it does feel like nine. <laughs> Because, because in my in my mind's eye, right? If you flip to the last page of the book, in my mind's eye, the, the checklist reads January, February, March, two issues each, and I just mistook the months in my mind for being an extra issue. But like I said, it feels like it's a nine issue story. And dirt, dirt can back me up on this that it just it's taking way too long to tell this stupid story. Well, and and also because the whole thing spans like a few days, I think. Right. Uh, and it's taking three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
twice a month to tell this story. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those things where, like, he's going to come out of it. it like, uh, the, the day before this happened was Secret Wars, and then the day after it happens is Secret Empire. Because it takes him so long to tell these stories in the books, you know, right. the way it jumps through the rest of the Marvel Universe. It's like, oh, you told us that story about uh, you and Spider-Gwen. What else happened for a year and a half? Oh, nothing. We'll just skip ahead so we're in right. line with the crossovers. Yeah. You know? As long as, I mean, obviously, the, 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 the one of the, um, the catalysts of the story are the, uh, those bracelets, those dimension-hopping bracelets uh, from Spider-Verse. So as long as Spider-Verse happens before this story, he's all good. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, that's not a very high bar, though. I know. All right. Um, next on the list is uh, Monsters Unleashed number five. I'm almost done. Monsters Unleashed number five. That is the lone hip hop cover of the week. Um, I actually recognize this cover. Um, it is, although it took me a while because the Medusa uh, pose kind of took me out of it. It's Jungle Brothers. So, uh, of nature. Yes. Okay. So, uh, this brings the Monsters Unleashed miniseries to an end. It's actually um, a, a relatively entertaining issue. It does have Adam Kubert on art, so it's actually well drawn. Um, the monsters are very, you know, have very definitive looks to them. Um, uh, without spoiling too much, I, d- I doubt you guys are going to read this. I might as well spoil the whole damn thing, but I'll ring the bell. Basically, Kid Kaiju. Um, uh, has been summoning these monsters to fight um, the big monster that he's prophesied or prophesied to uh, to fight as an inhuman, and um, uh, all the monsters in the Marvel universe, the pre-existing mar- monsters in the Marvel universe, are, are, are unable to defeat this big bad monster that he's prophesied to fight, um, and he has to uh, bring into creation um, these monsters of his own making, of his own creation, and um, those monsters, um, when combined form a version of Voltron or a Megazord or whatever the hell you want to call it and, 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 and uh, come together to defeat the big bad monster. And uh, this is the impetus for moving forward into a new Monsters Unleashed uh, uh, ongoing series with um, Kid Kaiju and uh, Elsa Bloodstone as the main characters with these uh, new um, monster slash Kaiju characters that he's created um, fresh um, from the pages of this issue. Um, uh, leading into you know uh, uh, as the as the characters of the new ongoing series coming up, and that's my rapid fire for the week. Weeks so, of the week time, everybody. Everyone's asleep. Everyone's done. So. <laughs> Mine is Super Sons number two, as I stated earlier. All right, I'm uh, I'm nearby. I'm in your family. Uh, I'm going with Superman number nineteen. Alrighty. Uh, mine is He Man Thundercats number six. <laughs> While you uh. Oh, you're underwater there. Uh-huh. And um, I'm going to go with, surprise, uh, Uncanny Avengers number 21, of all things. I really like Mighty Thor number 17. That was really close. But um, I was really entertained by uh, Uncanny Avengers. A- uh, anything with a cable reference, right? Oh, no! <laughs> Although that is a really cool cover by, uh, I think it's Adam Kubert again. Yeah, it is. Hmm. All right, so let me uh, bridge uh, the gap with an ad read. Uh, Let me tell you about Skull Candy. Skull Candy makes the best headphones, earbuds, and gaming headsets, all with lifetime warranties. Skull Candy produces many types of audio accessories, including headphones, sports earbuds, Xbox gaming headsets, PlayStation gaming headsets, DJ headphones, iPod headphones, and MP3 headphones. And now, for the listeners of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles, Skull Candy offers free standard shipping on your order. To help keep our podcast free, 
order from Skull Candy by going to cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then clicking on the Keep Our Podcast Free link. Click on the Skull Candy banner and then shop for high quality audio accessories with free standard shipping. Skull Candy Audio through cspn.us. Do it today. Hey, speaking of, before we get into the news, um, and this is cinematically inclined, so this fits. Speaking of uh, Megazords and keeping up with the 90s uh, after this show, or, you know, well, after the show, because, you know, you know you want to stay with us. If you are a fan of the show Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they are doing a marathon over at twitch.tv. Uh, They're going through all of the episodes, none of the movies. So you can go over there. That's been going on for a couple of days now. They are going to be going for a few more days since they're doing it because there's a lot. It's like 20 years worth of stuff. It's like 800 uh, episodes. But, uh, but if you want to go check that out, they just hit zero, zero uh, like right before we started. Uh, it is twitch.tv uh, slash twitch presents. So if you're a Power Rangers fan, I'm sure you will enjoy that. Yeah. All right. And there was a Power Rangers issue that came out this week that's supposed to have some twists or something that I did not get to read. Now we get to the cinematic news of the week. The X-Men TV series gets a table read photo and a possible title, Gifted. Don't know if that's the working title or if, what, if that's what it's actually going to be called. Avengers Infinity War adds King Kong actor for super secret role as part of Thanos' crew. So he could possibly be a Black Order Black member. Order. Yeah. <laughs> Which, when they were created, my mind went straight to them being created just so they could show up on movie screens. <laughs> I mean, Thanos That's just can't be working out. He, Thanos can't just show up by himself. Who else? Who are the? Who's gonna be cannon fodder for the Avengers to fight <laughs> before they get to the final boss? That's uh, true. We got a Wonder Woman trailer. Yeah, it looks okay. good. Yeah, I thought it looked good. That's all right. Uh, Black Lightning cast Christine Adams as Jefferson's ex-wife Lynn in the CW pilot. She's and uh, Black Lightning's also casting extras. In Atlanta? Yeah, I was about to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, everyone likes shooting in Atlanta now. Eh, it's been going on for a while. You'll see Walking Dead extras coming on screen, right? <laughs> and the Wonder Woman director confirms Artemis is in the movie. Played by not, Boxer not, and Wolf. Not to be confused with the Younger Justice Artemis. Right. There's a Godzilla anime film that's going to be streaming globally on Netflix. In Betweeners, star Simon Burt to direct graphic novel adaptation. Quantum and Woody from Valiant is going to be a TV series produced by Avengers Russo Brothers. Oh, cool. That ought to be interesting. Marvel's explanation for Jane Foster's absence in Thor Ragnarok has taken a turn. They said that they've broken up. Yeah, yeah I don't even know why they even bothered to put that yeah, in there. I was about to say. Kind of didn't even matter. If, if the majority of this movie is going to be off-world, then what's the point? I always like that, that uh, explanation. It made the most sense. Right, and they kind of already sowed that seed in, during the last, or, or in, uh, during uh, Civil War, not Civil War, whatever. Age of Ultron. Yeah, Age of Ultron, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, you can watch Marvel's new Guardians of the Galaxy Rocket and Groot shorts. And then in comic book news, uh, Black Widow Elite, The Resistance against Steve Rogers and Secret Empire. What's it called? Secret Empire or something? Uh, I believe it's Uprising. Yeah. Uprising. Charles Soule is going to be the new writer on Astonishing X-Men. Wait, which book so there's is a bunch that? Of I was about to say, which book is that, Astonishing X-Men? They're supposed to be blue and gold, and what the hell is Astonishing now? It's a new book. Oh, God. <laughs> it's um, uh, Burgundy. 
with teasing <laughs> Burgundy, Team Burgundy. <laughs> so it's Old Man Logan, Archangel, Archangel, Mystique, Rogue, Gambit, Psylocke, and Phantomets. So it's like a mix of. I was about to say X Force. Yeah, it's a mix of um, Weapon X and X Force. Eh, kinda. We shall see. Uh, the outrage over Marvel, Magneto, and Nazis explained. There's outrage. <laughs> because Where's the secret, outrage? the secret empire very covers. Oh, you, and... you missed it? Oh, I thought you were joking. No, I did miss it because I was a little busy this week. Seriously, there's outrage over this. Yeah, there was because people were like, "You're making Magneto into yeah. a Nazi and rebel, rebel, and all there's kind secret- of." There's a Secret Empire variant covers right. of villains that are supposed to be on Hydra's side, and Magneto is one of the villains and one of the variant covers. So, of course, variant covers mean stuff that actually is going to happen in the book, so people yeah. start jumping to conclusions. Well, even oh, if it me. was, even if it was, you know, Hydra, while it may be an offshoot of, of you know, uh, 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 certain aspects of Nazi Germany, the way, you know, the way uh, Steve Rogers, you know, in this um, incarnation of um, of of Kobik's uh, uh, reality, you know, obviously he's taking this into a whole new direction. So, um, you know, I, I don't see why there's outrage, and I think that's people being a little bit too uh, drawing, you know, jumping to conclusions before the story's even told. Basically, and Columbine came out and was like, "Hey, you really think I would do something? You know, I, I'm not gonna handle uh, Magneto properly. Just chill out, basically." So it's it's well you know anytime something like this happens there's always going to be something but I'm like let's wait and see until like you said mm-hmm. comes out and then go crazy if it doesn't set things on fire yeah yeah <laughs> goodness uh, second the saga hardcover hit stores this April even History Channel is doing comic book adaptations with Harlem Hellfighters Hellfighters okay Charles So and that. Uh, Giuseppe Kamenkoli got it. Tadurt <laughs> 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 is just some other Italian guy. That's all it is. It's an Italian guy. Him <laughs> and Charles Soga do a new Darth Vader book where you find yes. the origin of his red lightsaber. So, yeah, so apparently this takes place like right after episode three ends. Okay. Like directly. Because yeah. that's a story we've been dying to. <laughs> yeah, right. You probably don't recognize me with this red arm. Oh, <laughs> mercy. Huh. Okay, anyway. Firestorm joins yeah, the Justice right. roster. Uh, you when is, it, when is Justice 2 supposed to come out? May. All right, so that may be when I get a PS4. Instead of when Marvel's Capcom, uh, the latest edition comes out. No, wait. Injustice 2. Wait, is it May or June? It might be June. I'm thinking it might be... All right. Well, that, that'll be the time. That'll be the time for a TV and video game system upgrade. Oh yeah, May sixteenth. There you go. Cool. Uh, you can find out every character is confirmed. Uh, Titan Comics reveals new Robotech series from Brian Wood. Oh wait, going back a second to that. I'm sorry to that Firestorm res- resume. I, I mean to that reveal. Let's see if I can pull this up. I can't. Never mind. So if you ever check out the picture of it, it looks like he's either a Mega Man character or he a reject from Tron. Oh no. With the, the 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 concept picture they have, so it's it's kind of funny. But anyway, there are no rejects from Tron. No, <laughs> I expected that response. <laughs> I wanted to actually mention something about um the the, the most recent bit of news that uh, that Tim uh, mentioned about Titan Comics revealing a new Robotech series. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Wood. I noticed that the the original um, eighty five episode series is on Netflix now, mm-hmm. so you can catch up. Um, I believe it may have just been added for March. So. Um, 
Uh, anyone who's looking to catch up on that, I know I definitely have not watched all of them. I've watched chunks of them. Um, I think February is when I started putting them on there, so I haven't put the rest of them there. But yeah, you know, I noticed. You know, I I, I only noticed this month, I guess, um, when I was trying to catch up on something else that uh, Robotech was there. I wonder which version they are, because I know that when it first aired in the United States, there was some heavy editing because of all the it violence is, and. Yeah, I believe it is still the Harmony Gold ones, but I think they may have done a re a new re edit or something. I can't remember. Mm. So it might be more in land with. You know, the original, the original Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. I okay. think. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The X Men battle Captain America and Secret Empire United. And it's actually a. I think it's a Emma Frost led X Men team. I believe that's the case, yeah. Rob Laffer plans Extreme Studios reunion. What? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> And Bingo Love Kickstarter launches from T. Vitson Franklin. We sure will. So check that out. At, I think it's Big Love, Bingo Love Comics.com. I think it's the website. That sounds right. And that's it for comic news for the week. All right. So uh, if uh, there's nothing else to, uh, to add before we do our final ad read, I'm going to jump right into that. So, this episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles is brought to you by Busted Tees, your home for funny, awesome, cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by pop culture, such as, and we get back to the original favorites, BB-8, Like Thumbs Up, and Droid Evolution, inspired by Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and Samojis, the many faces of Samuel L. Jackson as emojis, and many more are on sale to help keep our podcast free order from busted tees by going to cspn.us that's cspn.us then click on the keep our podcast free link click on the busted tees banner and then shop for awesome t-shirts busted tees through cspn.us do it today and make sure to follow us on our individual twitter accounts i'm at tim dogg98 and at cb cron Agent 70 is at agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Roddy Cat is at Roddy Cat and at News Nerds Needs on Twitter and on Instagram at CB Caps. There you go. And PCN Dirt is at PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter and follow his comic book reviews at on Instagram at Graham Comic Reviews and go to his website popculturenetwork.com. Oh, uh, real quick! I want to give a shout out to um, to um, uh, my friend Martian Cat Cat Mars uh, Catman seventy seven who was um, joining us on YouTube and Matt Wang who happened to hit up the YouTube chats. Yeah, Matt That's Wang was awesome. Nice enough. Oh, go ahead. Now I was about to say we might be going to the same place. Who was who uh, sent a, a nice little care package to everybody, and I got mine out of my box out today, which I left in another room. But I will be um, opening it up and checking it out. Nice. So I was going to say, Matt Wang was nice enough to tweet to Brian Michael Bendis on our behalf asking for more chapters of the Spider-Man Spider-Gwen crossover. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, nice of him. <sighs> so, Lovely. I will be out next week, but the show will probably still go on. Sure. As my co-host Sounds hold good. me down. Sounds good. Up for the week. Oh, thank you for everybody who, sh- who showed up on um, Periscope. All a couple of people love you since that was a nice little experiment. Yes, I went on Twitter and saw that was going on. So, with that, we are the Comic Chronicles, and we are signing off. Peace. Peace.